Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> so, this last week, I was riding in our car with Miss Rebecca. And she asked me, what's your favorite day you've ever lived? My, my immediate response is like, like, why would you ask me that? Like, do you, does she not know who I am? Like, I know some of you are like, just, oh, the first thought that makes you happy, go with that. Uh, I'm not that way. I'm like, I'm going to need like six months to think through every day I've lived and come up with some sort of point structure and ranking so that I can actually provide an accurate answer. Or else, like, I'm going to have to justify what I just say right now, and I can't do that. But I know, like, people like Adam probably has, like, his go-to answer. Like, day I was married, day my daughters were born. That's it. Which one is it, Adam? Decide between those two. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about one day I thought of in the past week while thinking of this, because I promise you, Rebecca forgot she asked the question about three minutes later, and I'm still thinking about it. This isn't my favorite day, but it was one day I remembered, and uh, that was the first time I went saltwater fishing with my dad. And um, it, man, it was awesome for me, not for everybody else involved. And so we went down to Galveston. Growing up, that was, the, that was like our vacation spot. We had family in Houston. It was somewhat affordable. We could do that. And uh, the night before, there was just like this big storm in the Gulf. And the wakes were insane. And so we go, we show up the next morning. It's like three or four in the morning because that's when boats start to go out. And everybody's canceling. All the captains are canceling. Uh, and we're like, what's going on? We've never done this before. We don't understand. Uh, why can't we just go out there and fish? And they're like, well, if you can find a captain willing to take you, you can go. And so we searched, and we found one. And uh, the reason everybody was canceling is because the wakes were at nine feet that day, and most of the captains cancel at six feet. They're like, not worth it. Rather, just take the day off, lose the money. Because these are small boats, right? So, but we didn't know. We're like, okay, we'll roll with this. Let's go. So we go, and we are heading out. And we do four hours out into the Gulf. And then we fish, and four hours back. And so we hit that. We start going out real slow. And then when we clear everything, we start to take off. Land's gone. And I'm on the outside of this boat, on the side, gripping the rail, living the most glorious moment. Salt water hitting my face, smile, wind, massive wakes, hitting it, crashing. And I'm loving every second, and everybody else is getting sick. Everybody around me is getting sick, and I couldn't care less. I was just having so much fun. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. And... I mean, my dad was sick, everybody. And uh, there was even one moment, actually this happened a lot, but the first time it happened, I'm like, oh, that's weird, why is this happening? And that's, we hit this big wake, and all of a sudden, engine shuts off. 
And it wasn't until later, when I was talking with the captain, I realized, oh, he shuts off the engine because we went up this big wake, and we're still going, and the water is no longer going, and now our boat is a plane. And if we hit the water while the motor's still running, we could lose it. So several times throughout this trip, it's just like, boom. And it's just like, oh, man. It was insane. I loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, I'm going to come back to that story in a bit and tell the rest of it. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk uh, about another man in a boat, and that's Noah. So, uh, most of us know the story of Noah and his family. Two animals, every kind, in the ark, surviving the flood. Uh, and really, that's like growing up our, our Happy Meal version of that story, right? And we all love fast food, but you can't eat it all the time. Uh, it's just not good. And honestly, like, if I could live off of, like, 12-hour brisket, I would choose that over Happy Meals. But, so we're going to slow this down a bit and look at some of the details that we don't typically think through when we think of the story or read it to your kids. Or um, In Genesis chapter 5, we get a snapshot of Noah's family tree, from great-grandpappy Adam all the way to Noah. And in this chapter, the author starts it by reiterating that the Lord made humankind in his likeness, in the likeness of God. And this is incredibly, an incredibly important statement, not just for Noah's story, but every story in the Bible and our story today. It says that there. Uh, this is a written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. After we get the family tree then, jumping ahead to chapter 6, we get the setting. And the setting is a world that's in turmoil, a world filled with violence. And it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become. On the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. When I remember this story or misremember this story, I feel like I incorrectly remember God being angry. And I think we do that with much of the Old Testament. Because, like, I feel like, if we're being honest, we give, like, 95% of our attention to the New Testament and in uh, about five to the old. <clears throat> and so much, I think we think of the Old Testament as when God was angry and the New Testament as when God is loving and forgiving. But that's not really the case. Like if we're being honest and we're really looking at the Old Testament honestly and if we're looking at the Jewish faith honestly, like, we see a compassionate, loving God. Uh, in fact, in Exodus, it describes God's nature as compassionate 
gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving. The flood wasn't about God's anger. It was about his grief and his sadness. He created humanity in his own image. And now humanity was destroying every good thing. The world, each other, and since we're in his image, inflicting violence on each other means we're attempting to destroy God himself and his likeness. The God who gave us life. But then it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithful, faithfully with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, and for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So this is the first time we hear a very big and very important Bible word, and that's covenant. And we'll come back to that in a bit. But for now, I want us to focus on the actions taking place. First being Noah's awareness to God. Second is Noah's trusting in God. And third, Noah's beginning to participate with God. So awareness. God has spoken. I don't know if he spoke to Noah audibly or if Noah just had some sense, being able to like sense his presence or sense God's heart and his desires for Noah. Uh, something was resonating him, with him within him about what God was up to. And whatever was happening, God, Noah noticed it and started to actively pay attention. You know, I, in, my, in my day job as a recruiter, I have conversations all the time, all day, every day. Um, and it's the worst conversations are when you're not listening to each other. And it's just two people talking. And it, it, it's so funny because you, you think as a recruiter that I might use a script, but I don't. Sometimes when people are interviewing, they use a script. And that's, that's a little strange as a recruiter to get on and then somebody like reads their own bio. And then you ask a question and they give you kind of a form answer but it doesn't really answer your question. It was just kind of something they want to talk about. And, like, it's just an awful conversation. It really, like, is a beat down during the day. The most fruitful conversations are there those that you're, like, you're doing more paying attention. And, and you're listening and figuring out, like, what, what are their motivations? What are their needs? What are they thinking through? Where are they at? So you have Noah who's paying attention to God, and he's having this 
fruitful relationship where he's able to, because he slowed down and paid attention, he's able to sense God's desire for his life. And then in verse 22, and Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah was leaning in. He was trusting what God had to say. He was taking steps of faith. Noah wasn't a man of the sea. Noah wasn't a boat builder. He was a farmer. Noah, Noah probably didn't grow up wanting to be a boat builder. It wasn't like, this wasn't like midlife crisis Noah. This was Noah accepting a task that the Lord had prepared for him. And then Noah participates in it. Noah built the boat as God specified. He gathered the animals, he gathered his family, and he boarded the ark. In chapter 7, it says, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in your generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and a mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain. I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all of what the Lord commanded him. So this is the part where we usually think of in the story, the rains came and the waters rose. And then the 90s song flood from jars of clay started playing. Like, come on, like, if you grew up in church in the 90s, you, like, you think of that song when you think of the story. Like, that's it. <clears throat> so, back on the boat in the Gulf, I'm having the best time. And then I noticed someone new sick. And then I noticed that someone new is the captain. And then I came to the realization that, like, he's not used to this. Like, if he's getting sick, like, this isn't something that's normal. And so I start to become aware of the water and how much there is and how much it's moving and the lack of land in sight. And then I start to realize, like, this isn't the safest thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like, in, we have, like, early texts of of like Phoenicians and other sailing people in the Mediterranean in which they describe the sea as an untamable dragon. Like it just consumes whoever she wants. And that's exactly what this was. I mean, I'm sure that they were in crazy storms and this wasn't, this was like after a storm. So, but I became aware of the destructive water. And I thought, if we'd have known that this was the case, like, if we weren't, like, noobs to this, and we really would have got it, regardless, like, if, if we would have known, would we have come? And regardless of that point or not, we were there. So we had to trust in the Lord to control the water. The other thought I had, though, is that that's not all we can do, right? We're out in the middle of the Gulf, and the Lord has every ability to pluck us up and put us back on land, every ability to give us 
a calm way of water all the way back home. But we don't just take our hands off the wheel, right? You don't do that with a boat. You don't do that and then say, okay, Jesus, take the wheel, and then the water just pushes you back to Galveston. Like, that's, that's not the way we're made to, to operate. We trust God to do what he can, and we participate with God by doing what God has given us the ability to do. And together, us working with him, we can make it home. Adam's talked about sin, uh, the, the Old Testament word for sin, kata, which, which literally means to, to miss the mark. Like when, when you read Proverbs and it mentions kata, it's, it, it, it mentions it where it's saying uh, someone whose feet are fast will miss their way. And what it's saying is like somebody who makes like hasty, rash decisions is, is going to miss the goal. They're going to miss their mark. They're not going to make it to where they intend to make it. And so we're on this boat, and we're just hoping we make it where we intend to make it. The thing is, though, when I thought of that, is like, if we just take our hands off the wheel, if we just stop doing, and all we're doing is hoping that God takes care of it all, and we're not doing what he's made us to do, then we're going to miss the mark. Like, it really resonated with me that that and, and sin are the same thing. Like backing away from our purpose, our purpose unfulfilled, not doing the things God has given us the ability to do. It's not just we're going to do bad things, but the fact that we're not doing what God has made us to do. That's something that really resonated with me. <clears throat> We must participate by actively steering. How much of our life do we spend with our hands off the wheel? That's something I really set with this week a lot. Noah trusted and participated, and the waters receded, and the Lord called them out. In chapter 8, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because human of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. And chapter 9 says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. I love this because of what it shows about the essence of blessing. It's the, the Bible here says that God blessed Noah, and in the same breath, God commissioned Noah. I'll read it again. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. He blessed them, and the blessing is same as the commission. Blessing in the Bible is a gift of flourishment. It's an extra dose of life. 
But from the very beginning, blessing has always been coupled with participation. Jesus blessed the disciples so that they could bless the world. God blessed Israel so they could bless the world. God blessed Abraham so he could bless the world. God blessed Adam with life and a beautiful world and was then asked to fill it with blessings. But instead, man decided to do his own thing, what he thought was best for him, and filled the world with violence and darkness. So God brought the waters. He washed away the darkness, returned the world to beautiful gardens, and then placed it in the hands of a farmer. God doesn't ask Noah to be perfect. He asks him to take part. And then we get the big word again, covenant, three more times. We see it here in chapter 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant. I have established between me and all life on the earth. A covenant is a partnership. It is a promise. It is a commitment. The biblical covenants are promises and commitments between God and humanity. We see it first with Noah, and then again with Abraham, and Moses, and David, and Jesus. God will be faithful to us, and we will be faithful to him. That's the deal. The interesting thing about the covenant God makes with Noah here is that God doesn't ask Noah for anything. Like, he explicitly asks all the other men, but Noah, he doesn't. Instead, God freely commits himself while already knowing that faithfulness will not be, uh, will not be returned This is how I know the God of the Old Testament was a loving God and a forgiving God. But if God is just as loving and forgiving in the Old Testament, what does it mean in regards to Jesus and the cross? Did he have to die? One thing Christians have gotten really good at is misrepresenting the character of God in the Old Testament and the Jewish faith. And it's just... The Old Testament is filled with love, filled with love. And we we think back about stories and we attribute them to hate and anger. And that is just not the God that's there. And we, we should go back to them and pay attention and pay attention to what God's doing. With Jesus, while there is some sense of atoning for sin when Jesus is on the cross, there's a whole lot more going on as well. And one of those things is being the installation of the new covenant. And what does the Bible mean when it refers to Jesus as the new covenant? Remember, a covenant is a promise between God and man. But this one, unlike all others, is unlike all other covenants. This one can never fail. 
and it can never break. It doesn't expire. Why? Jesus, he is, he's on both sides of this handshake. Jesus is both parties in this contract. He is simultaneously God covenanting to man and man covenanting to God. Jesus is God dying for man and man dying for God. Jesus is God's faithfulness to man and man's faithfulness to God. This is why Jesus is the way. But the way to what? Jesus is the water that washed away the darkness. And he returned the world to gardens for us, the farmers. He blesses us with gardens so now we can bless the world with harvests. It's time for us to get up and get to work. Remember, the blessing is coupled with the participating. That's the way it works. That's God gave the garden to Adam to tend to it. Jesus has given us this blessing, so now we can tend to this world. Our blessing is our commissioning. There is a purpose that is waiting for us to take an active role in fulfilling. So I want us to think about those areas of life that we spend so much time with our hands off the wheel. Sometimes we, we, we fill up our life and it looks like our hands are definitely on the wheel. I'm guilty of this a lot where I fill up my schedule and I get all these things to do and a lot of them are very good things. But then I just kind of, I'm just there for all of it. We get ourselves, when we get in this rhythm, into deep waters. And then we just hope that God pushes us back to shore. But God has made us in such a way that he wants our hands on the wheel. And he wants us to work with him to hit that mark and to make it back home. So I'll be honest, that was the first half of the sermon. There's like a whole second half, but I think that's actually a really good place to to stop for a second. And I know this is weird because I didn't prep y'all, but any any feedback, did anything resonate with any of you? And if you're watching online, type it in if something resonated. But any did anything resonate with y'all in those words or in the passages? Sure. Yeah. So Debbie said we we are blessed so that we can then be a blessing. Now, whatever we are to do, we are to do unto the Lord. And Maria said uh, she really liked the part about Jesus being on both sides of the handshake of the covenant. 
All right, I'm going to pray, and then in a moment we'll have our, our time of communion. And, uh, and afterwards, uh, Toby will be in the back. I will be in the back if anybody would like to pray. If anybody's watching online and uh, would like prayer, just message the church account, and, and we'll be sure to, to pray for you as well. Or you can message if you're comfortable there on the video itself. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time to just be with our brothers and sisters to have a moment to block out everything else and to be aware of you and, uh, and what you're up to. Uh, Lord, help us to understand how we can live into who you've created us to be, how we can use our talents, our gifts, our time, our, uh, just our unique makeup that you've given every one of us to, to bless others and to, uh, and to tend to the garden that we have. Father, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go from here, never forget, we do not go alone. God's own spirit goes with us, always ready to help in our weakness. So let's go in confidence and joy, knowing that whatever we go, Wherever we go, we are surrounded by the love and mercy of God. And may the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you wherever you find yourself this week. Amen. Go in peace.